from whom we have rebelliously kept our distance. We seek you now, for we are needy and afraid. We want to be healed, that we may praise you before the world and be channels of healing among the alienated and forgotten. Implant your word among us and free us to live by it. Amen. You may be seated. The epistle lesson is 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 15. Remember, Jesus Christ raised from the dead, a descendant of David. That is my gospel, for which I will suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is sure. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, we will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of this and warn them before God that they are to avoid wrangling over words, which does no good, but only ruins those who are listening. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. Word of God, word of life. Please stand if you're able. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Glory to you, O Lord. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As Jesus entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went... They were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked Jesus. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. But the tenth one, did you hear, did you hear it in the sentence, the scripture lesson? Nine of those who were healed just went on their way to the temple. But the tenth one. What about the tenth one? The tenth one, that Samaritan, that outcast, that doubly unclean one, had leprosy and was a Samaritan. But the tenth one. 
The question asked is all about the nine who didn't come back to express their gratitude to Jesus for being healed, relieved of their leprosy. One of my favorite preachers and teachers, the Reverend Barbara Brown Taylor, says the question among us is not where are the nine, but where is the tenth? Where is the one who followed his heart instead of the instructions? If you remember, the instructions were to go to the temple. Doesn't the church resemble a dutiful procession of cleansed lepers who are, quote, doing the right thing by the temple, unquote? Where's the one who wheels around, wheels around to the radical love of Jesus, end quote? Jesus asks for our obedience, you see, but the same Jesus loves the jazz of our answering gladness, says Pastor Paul Duke. So Jesus says to the tenth one at his feet, your faith has made you whole. It's clear from the passage that all ten of these lepers were cured of their illness, but I would remind all of us that not all of the cured are whole. Did you hear me? Not all of the cured are whole. Anybody agree with that? Those of us who think we are cured of whatever was ailing us, or think we are cured even if we're not sure of what was ailing us, just because we think we're cured does not mean that we're whole. So you see, the cured have been made whole, and the whole are those whose hearts break into praise, and the whole are those who give unfailing praise to the one who heals and redeems, and the whole are those who never fail to give God the praise, who never fail to give God all the praise. Not just some of the praise, but all the praise. So you're with me, church? So what do you think motivated the Samaritan, this one but the tenth one, to come back and thank Jesus. I don't think Jesus made a formal thank you as part of the bargain, but the tenth one came back anyway. Jesus simply told each one of them to go and show themselves to the priests. This was something that was necessary under Jewish law because only a specially trained rabbi or teacher was able to examine these now former lepers and declare them fit to re-enter society as a clean person. As far as we know now, in our attempts to figure it all out, um, leprosy could take all kinds of forms. It could be something as simple as sort of a skin rash. It could be something more dangerous than that, but they could differentiate. So if you had one, boom, you were gone. And you had to show this specially trained rabbi that you were fit to re-enter society as a clean person. The Samaritan's nine partners obviously felt no need to return to Jesus and thank him. But the tenth one. Perhaps the Samaritan had a mother like mine. (laughs) Who drummed into him the obligation to write thank you notes for birthday and Christmas gifts. For someone who has invited me to dinner or showed me hospitality in some fashion. Some of us remember the experience and have made thank you notes a routine of life. I'm amazed today when, when people are surprised at receiving a thank you note from me or from anyone else. It, 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 it's what I was taught to do. Having said all that, clearly more was at stake in this story than demonstrating polite social etiquette. But the tenth one. Part of the answer may be found in the total identity of this healed man. Yes, he was a leper like the other nine. 
But he was the only one who was a Samaritan. As a Samaritan, he was twice scorned, twice rejected, twice removed from the community because he was unclean as a leper. And oh my goodness, he was a Samaritan. And boy, do we not like those Samaritans. Why don't you like the Samaritans? Well, we're not sure, but we've always been told, don't like those Samaritans. As a leper, he was unclean ritually, and therefore he had to remain isolated from the community. Someone his na- and he was also someone who his neighbors were told to avoid and fear. Fear because they didn't really understand the disease. Fear because they thought if they caught it, they too would be tossed out of the walls of the city. Fear because they too would be ritually unclean. And fear because the Samaritan was different. And the society told them to fear the Samaritan just because he was a Samaritan. And as a Samaritan, this tenth one would have been seen as this outsider, despised outsider at that, to the more orthodox Jews of Galilee. Perhaps the Samaritan leper leper suffered more, and because of his healing, he was more grateful automatically, this tenth one. Where are the tenth ones in the world today, in our world today? Do we only see them on the news? Or do we drive right by them and just don't see them at all? Or do we question their motives of standing on the corner or at the exit of Route 22 asking for a dollar because their children are hungry or say that they'll work for food? Do we automatically judge them even though we don't know if maybe they are scamming us, but maybe they really do need something? I'm as guilty as everybody else, so don't think I'm accusing anybody of anything. Or worst of all, do we sit back while others ridicule and belittle them? This feeling of profound gratitude, this being grateful as we encounter the gift of each day is the key to beginning to understand this gospel passage, I believe. New Testament scholar and teacher Alan Culpepper writes, Are we self-made individuals beholden to no one? Or are we blessed daily in ways we seldom perceive, cannot repay, and for which we often fail to be grateful? Faith and gratitude cannot be separated from our response to God. Did you hear that? Faith and gratitude cannot be separated from our response to God. The fact is, we don't know why the tenth one came back. The writer of the Gospel of Luke apparently is not interested in that reality. Doesn't say a word about it. The writer of Luke may have been more interested in portraying the boundaries of God's grace. Boundaries that ultimately will expand to include even those the world has defined as unclean, foreign, or impure. The Gospel of Luke seems to be telling us a story about a daring boundary crossing. Daring both on the part of Jesus and also on the part of the Samaritan. But the tenth one and his amazing gratitude. What sometimes seems to happen in society today, at least society as we know it here in the Western world, is a true lack of gratitude for all that we have. All that we have been blessed with, all the relative comfort and safety that we have been blessed with based on where we live and who we are. We too often, it seems, take that all for granted. And by taking it for granted, come to believe that we may be entitled to more than our share. This can lead to distance and isolation, not only from each other, but from the rest of society and the world. And from many of the challenges faced in other places in the world. 
and from our obligation to give God the praise while we're loving and serving others. This can sometimes lead to to being healed of illness and we just wander off like the nine because after all, we're entitled to this healing and good health, aren't we? That's what some of us might assume is the moral of this story. But it's really bigger than that. As we consider this passage about the lepers, we need to be careful not to assume that the other nine were ungrateful wretches. We don't know that. There are many ways to express gratitude, joy, and wholeness. And I'm sure each leopard, leper experienced those feelings in some measure. But we don't know the particular circumstances of each one of the nine who were healed. And in general, these nine are following Jesus' directions, really. Jesus said, you're healed, go to the temple and show yourself to the priest so you can be, be declared clean. So they were following the instructions. The tenth one kind of broke the rules. Remember, gratitude is an expression of our need for others, of our need for God. We cannot live at a distance and be truly healed at the same time. In that great teaching of the church from so long ago, the Heidelberg Catechism, it asks us in question one, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And the response is that I belong not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Can you hear the gratitude of the Samaritan, the gratitude of the but the tenth one in this confession? Gratitude is what teaches us the truth about our lives. The healthiest people I know are not necessarily the ones who delight in their own success in the world. The healthiest people that I know seem to be those whose lives express a deep gratitude for everything and everyone that has reached across a boundary and a border to enrich and embrace them. For them, dependence is not a dirty word, the dirty word that we have sometimes made of it, but merely the simple pattern and plain truth about life. We need each other. Jesus said at the end to but the tenth one, the Samaritan, the outsider who was dirty, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The story in the gospel lesson seems to know that the healing came from God, not from the Samaritan's belief, but also, but it also seems to know that to be truly well requires the embrace of heartfelt gratitude and the outlandish grace of Christ's amazing love that is available to each and every one of us. A love for each of us who believe that is unbelievable that the gifts of grace demand and evoke this answering gratitude of God's children. That's why we're here today to worship and give thanks to God. But remember too that the gospel story is seasoned by the information that one gives thanks But the tenth one is a Samaritan, a dreaded foreigner, an unusual vehicle for teaching the disciples the posture of thanksgiving and gratitude. Yet most profound lessons often come from unexpected people and places, don't they? I believe gratitude is not so much a behavior as it is a grounding. Gratitude is not so much an act as it is as an attitude, a frame of mind. Consider the words from 1 Thessalonians where it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks 
in all circumstances. Giving thanks in all circumstances because God knows where we are. Giving thanks in all circumstances because God knows how we feel. Giving thanks in all circumstances because God knows our next breath. How extraordinary to be so known, so loved, and so healed. I believe we are most whole when we hold our stance of gratitude in the world, knowing we are in the watchful care of this Holy One, this Redeemer, this one we call Jesus. Gratitude in all things and in every place in our lives. May each of us strive to be like this tenth one in the big things and the small things. Gratitude for all that we are. Let us pray. Loving God, teach us to practice gratitude in our lives that we may honor the graciousness at the center of your creation. Forgive every form of self-centeredness that assumes that we are entitled to what we have and make us mindful of every good gift and of every good gift giver that we may return again and again and again to you, those redeemed and renewed by your love rather than our believing we are deserving of your love. Help us with that redemption and renewal that we so desperately need. And may we also experience the joy of your presence that heals us, O God, and makes us well. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Go in peace. Live in love as Christ loved us. Thanks be to God.